listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. We are in the midst of a series uh, called Rebuilding Hope, which we really feel is something that God is calling us into at this moment. And what today I want to share with you is the reality that with God's presence, hard ground becomes hope-filled ground. And to get there, we're going to begin with a scripture from the book of Exodus, which is the story of God's people leaving slavery in Egypt, going to the wilderness where they spend 40 years before they enter into the promised land. So we're going to begin before Moses leads the people out of Egypt, but as God is preparing him, and we're going to start in Exodus 3, verses 1 to 5. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock, and this is a really key element, to the far side of the wilderness to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, And Moses said, here I am, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Before Moses leads the people out of Israel, this is God preparing Moses. And he's learning a key lesson here. He's in the wilderness. But God is teaching him that the wilderness, this place that often people feared, can become holy ground when God's presence is there. And God is preparing and forming Moses for the mission he has for him. And so it also tells us that we are formed in the wilderness. This is an environment which God used to shape us. And we've been speaking about environments a lot in this series. And we began this series talking about the environment that we find ourselves in in the world at this moment, which we call a gray zone. A gray zone is an in-between space. And we talked about how we are living in this in-between gray zone, in-between COVID, which has now been operational in the world for like 18 months, and the post-COVID world. We are seeing, I guess, this progress, this process as we live through this pandemic. We think back to a year ago, particularly here in Melbourne, when we were in a really heavy lockdown for a long time. Now there's a bunch of freedoms have returned and wherever you are watching in the world, that may be the case where you are. Perhaps there's a vaccination uh, program that is happening. Uh, And in a sense, we can now see perhaps the end of the pandemic, yet it's still here. We're not out of the woods. There are still places in the world where it is hitting people hard and maybe that's where you're watching from today. So we find ourselves in this gray zone between COVID and the post-COVID world. But there's more happening in the world than just COVID. There's tremendous changes occurring in the world in technology, in politics, in geopolitics, in culture. There is so much change happening in the world. We can see one era ending. In many ways, COVID's almost been this bridge between eras and a new era beginning. But it's not clear. One is still partially here. One is not still fully formed. We're in the in-between space between this era that's passing and an era to come. So we're living in a gray zone and gray zones can be hard ground 
upon which to live. Why? Because grey zones are unstable. They're constantly in flux. Everything is unpredictable. They also are contradictory. They lack a coherence and a pattern because people can't agree on things. One era is still here with its rules. Another era is appearing and there is confusion and contradiction. They lack clear rules, markers and patterns. But also they reveal something. They reveal what we spoke about last week and elements of creation, the non-order and disorder, the chaos that's in the world. Now, John Walton says this of the non-order that we looked at last week, that we see at the beginning of the book of Genesis. When the world is created, it's this non-order, this unformed chaos. Humans are created to partner with God, stewarding creation. And we also learn that there is hope above us, that there is a heavenly pattern that we're called by God to imprint on the chaos. Now, John Walton says this of the non-order in the world. This non-order is reflected in natural disasters, disease and pain, among other things. Sin is not the cause of all these aspects of our current situation, but they demonstrate human inability to enforce order within creation. And the last 18 months have illuminated the ways in which we are not as in control as we thought of our environment and our circumstances. And so gray zones reveal our lack of control over the world. And when we feel that we can't control the world, this means we can often retreat into smaller zones of control. Now, contemporary individualism is built on the assumption that the world is a playground for us in which we can achieve our desires. And what we're learning now and what we've learned in the last 18 months is we can't control the world. The world looks less like a playground. So a temptation comes in, which is when we realize that we can't control the world, the world is not a playground. What we can do, though, is to retreat into a smaller, more pleasant world. And a smaller area of control is called a comfort zone. Now, we've also learned in this series that hope is the emotional and mental state that comes upon us when we grasp that the gap between the ideal state we long for and the subpar state we're living in, that it can be bridged, it can be crossed. Now, a comfort zone is also a mental and emotional state in which we're at ease because we have the belief that we're in control of our reduced environment and that we feel safe and at ease and not worried about encountering difficulty. And so a comfort zone is a replacement for hope. In a comfort zone, we take control, we reduce our expectations, and we place comfort and ease above a greater vision. We go for small wins in the immediate rather than victory in the eternal. And we live in a culture and at a time where at our fingertips, We are continually offered endless comfort zones to retreat into. Now, Judith Bardwick wrote about comfort zones and she defined them as a kind of gray zone where fear and entitlement overlap. Why fear? Well, fear means that under stress, humans either fight or flight. And gray zones can cause us to take flight into a comfort zone. 
perfectionism and religious spirit can take hold in these places. We can become paralyzed, afraid to venture out and make a mistake. So we can turn things which are good in of themselves, even Christian practices, into tools of control when pointed towards individualistic ends which make us feel good. Beware the Christian spirituality, which is simply about just making you feel good, not making you more like God, more like Christ. There are also places of entitlement, comfort zones, because a comfort zone places personal enjoyment and ease above all else. It reveals an underlying belief that while we may accept that perhaps people somewhere else and certain places are going to go through difficulty, that we actually deserve something better and we have it in our ability to create something better. And our entitlement myth tells us that the world can deliver us a comfortable order. And also we demand this of the world. We demand a world and believe in one without awkwardness. And we believe that often a paternal force, be it a government, a university chancellor, a parent, a boss, a corporation, a technology, or even a church leadership's role is to make us feel comfortable, to strengthen the walls of our comfort zone. And I just want to say, if you're an Australian watching this, that truth is very true of us. Entitlement is the belief that we deserve fruit without the process of cultivation. And we learned last week that cultivation combines two words. The humans are called to cultivate creation and cultivation is the combination of work and worship. And so entitlement believes that we deserve fruit, but without the work and without the worship. And the kind of entitled faiths which grow up in comfort zones, ultimately a transactional faith in which we believe that if we do A for God, sacrifice B, we're going to get C. And often our entitlement doesn't come into view until our expectations are not met. Ultimately, a comfort zone is the choice to live in ease rather than growth. And renewal is growth. So to choose a comfort zone is actually to choose an opposite direction from renewal. And so ultimately, a comfort zone will turn into a danger zone. Comfort zones offer us the lie that we can grow in favor with God without us growing into Christ-likeness. Now, one of the things that we have learned is through the study of performance in how humans grow and perform in different fields is that humans need some element of stress. Too much stress destroys us. Too little stress, though, creates stagnation. And so comfort zones create fragile humans. And for us as believers, they also can create fragile faiths because you can't follow the crucified king from a couch in the comfort zone. Rob Brahman says this, God values character and maturity much more than we as humans do. Here is a fact. Character and maturity are more important than comfort and ease. Now, gray zones frighten us. They, they 
push on our understanding of the world because they actually remind us of something primal, that primal chaos that is in the world, which we encountered in Genesis last week. The scriptures in the Old Testament in Job talk about the chaos as the sea, which God holds back, but which at any moment could threaten to swamp us. And so we have this deep, I think, spiritual fear of chaos. It reminds us of the wilderness exposing our lack of control over the world. Yet also, Scripture reframes the wilderness for us. For when we look at it through a scriptural lens, the wilderness reveals the direction of our hearts. It's easy to conceal the direction of your heart when your expectations are being met, when you're in a moment of control, when you're feeling comfortable. But when we head into the wilderness and our expectations are not met and we find lack, we're then forced to respond. Do we grumble, wishing to return to Egypt, or do we praise and worship in the tabernacle in the desert? Do we rebel or depend on God's manner? Do we build a golden calf or do we follow the pillar of cloud? Now, the wilderness is where God woos people back to him. In the book of Hosea, chapter 2, verses 14 to 15, it says this, but then I will win her back once again. I will lead her, speaking of This is Hosea speaking of his wife, but it's also representative of Israel, the people of God. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from the captivity in Egypt. Just to repeat that, in the wilderness. God transforms valleys of trouble into gateways of hope. And so what this is telling us is that God uses the gray zone of the wilderness to educate. The environment disciples us. Hard ground even disciples us when we submit to God. Corey Russell says this, throughout the Bible, we see that God chooses again and again to form his people In the wilderness, it is the furnace of transformation. And wilderness is a place of testing, but not in the way we understand testing like a test that you do at high school. Rather, this is actually a place of intense formation. Deuteronomy 8 verses 2 to 4 says this, Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character. And to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna. A food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Words that Jesus himself will say to the evil one in the wilderness. And so it is with our gray zone. Rob Reimer says this, testing gives us more capacity for God in our lives. By enduring hardship, God is going to make you have a stronger inner temple, which contains more of his presence. 
I've noticed this pattern in my life. When I pass a difficult test, there is a new release of spirit in my life. When we choose a comfort zone over a gray zone with God, it means we have less capacity for God. And so we see that a gray zone is transformed into a growth zone with God's presence. We see Jesus is killed in the wasteland outside of the city, which tells us that salvation comes in the gray zone. The wilderness is where hope is born. With his presence, the wilderness becomes holy ground. The gray zone is turned into a God zone. And so we began this sermon seeing how before Moses had been invited into leadership, as God was preparing him before the people of God entered into their exodus out of slavery in Egypt, God was preparing him, showing him that wilderness can be holy ground with God's presence. And we see this also later in the story, much later, as God has led the people out of Egypt, where it says in Exodus 40, verse 36 to 38, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out, but if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all Israelites during their travels. We have this image of the people of God in this portable temple, this tabernacle, which is a tent which they can take up and put down and transform hard ground, this gray zone between Egypt and the promised land, that in that space God actually brings his glory. And they're taught a really key lesson at this point in time. And I think at this point in this series, at this moment, it's worth asking what are the lessons that we've learned in this season and what are the lessons that we're learning at this moment? In 2020, as a global pandemic hits and we could not meet in person, we felt as a church that one of the things that God was showing us, he was putting us through a discipleship stress test. And one of the things that we repeated as we did church in this particular way, that God was teaching us to take responsibility in the emergency conditions of 2020 when we couldn't meet in person, that God was teaching us to take responsibility for our faith. But now, in the gray zone of 2021, last season we learned responsibility. But I believe in this season we're learning responsiveness. Responsiveness to the presence which is going ahead of us in the wilderness. In 2020, we learned to take off our sandals in front of the burning bush, which was often in this domestic place. But in 2021, we're learning to put on our walking shoes in order to follow the pillar of cloud as we partner with God as he redeems the world. And we need responsiveness. We can't predict the future. We don't know what this looks like. For us here in Australia, we may have eradication and vaccination and life returns to normal. We don't know if another lockdown's coming. We can't predict the future. And so at this moment, as people have emerged from the pandemic, there are many people watching this in different places. 
We've received emails from people who are watching this, who have reconnected with faith, who have rediscovered Jesus in their life or discovered Jesus for the first time in your life. And you're watching this and God is doing something powerful through this particular medium. Other people have found that this way of doing church, of watching this in groups, of gathering others to come together and watch this, God's actually doing something new, that the model is being transformed and that you're experiencing that sense of a burning bush in your home with others. But we also need to have the responsiveness of the Holy Spirit because just as God is advancing and it's going to look different for different people, I believe there's also some people who need to ask of the Holy Spirit in this moment, am I slightly afraid of the gray zone? Am I afraid of perhaps returning to church in person because there's been so much change. There's people who have moved. These services that we used to have as we had them have radically transformed. That perhaps I'm stepping out of control. That perhaps church doesn't look like it used to. So I'll retreat into something that perhaps could be a comfort zone. Now, I don't want to prescribe what this looks like for different people. God is doing different things, and we need to be aware of that. But what I think we're learning at this moment is that responsiveness. And the responsiveness is to look to the pillar, to the presence. We learned responsibility. Now it's responsiveness. What is the Holy Spirit asking you to do? Because I believe in this season, as the world rebuilds economically, as the world rebuilds socially, we also as the church are called to rebuild and to actually do that with hope. That there was a virus before the virus, that the church in the West was either paralyzed or retreating or in decline. And God has allowed things to be shaken. And now the question is, how do we step into the next phase that God has? How do we be the people of God going forth in the wilderness? And so that's going to be a question that you need to wrestle with for yourself. You need to ask the question of the Holy Spirit. Bring your presence here. Help me not to fall into a comfort zone. Help me not to fall, God forbid, into a danger zone. But let me step forth into the wilderness with your presence, taking my shoes off as the gray zone is turned into a God zone. We are in this process of rebuilding church. And church is also the people of God. And sometimes that's difficult and sometimes that feels awkward and sometimes that's hard. But also God is going to use those things to actually grow us as the people of God. Let's pray. God, we just want to thank you for the lessons of the last season. We want to thank you for the ways in which you taught us to take responsibility for our faith. We just want to hold before you those moments when in lounge rooms, sat around smart TVs, laptops, mobile phones. We worshipped in ways that we never worshipped before. We realized that actually we can't just rely on someone else to do our own faith for us, that actually we need to step into the responsibility of taking responsibility for our own discipleship. And so we thank you for what you've done in this last season. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know at this time that we are rebuilding. And so, Father, in the last season, you taught us responsibility, but now we ask for your Holy Spirit's leading as you teach us responsiveness. Let us be like the Israelites who did not move 
until the pillar moved. And so I just want to pray now, if the pillar's moving for some people, and that may be gathering a bunch of people and watching this at your home to actually do something bigger as God regathers his people at this time, lead that. If this is someone and there's a moment where God is just strengthening their faith, and that's even happening just by you. Maybe you've not been in church for a while. Maybe it's difficult to get to a church, wherever they may be. Father, lead them. But also I just want to pray for anyone at this point in time who perhaps at this, this moment where started watching in this way and it's been easy uh, and, and, and life-giving, but perhaps at this moment it could fall into a comfort zone. And now it's time to actually gather again with the people of God in person. We pray to you lead us into that space. And we know sometimes that can be intimidating. It can be awkward. It can be uncomfortable. But we also know that where one or two are gathered, you're present. And we mustn't give up the habit of meeting together. So God, give us your responsiveness. We pray against any form of compulsion that does not come from you. Instead, we want to move into the world with our God-given identities, with that commission that you've placed over us to turn non-ordered disorder into your heavenly pattern. Be with us, we pray. Lead us for us at this moment. Let us be your people of hope as the church rebuilds, as the world rebuilds. We ask and pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.